back, um, 13 of us were in Israel, and we had a wonderful trip, and maybe next week we can show a few slides and uh, show you a little bit of what we did. Um, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and it's my dad's laughing because I'm not preaching. That's not, the, that's not why. Um, we started uh, this tradition a number of years ago here at the church where we're about to come into the season next Sunday, in fact, where we celebrate the resurrected Christ. Jesus lives. And, as, and everything about our faith is based upon the truth that Christ rose from the dead. And there is nothing academic about that. He truly lives. And the scripture says that as we place our faith in him, we become a new creature in Christ. Second Corinthians also says that we are letters of Christ for others to read, and that we are a sweet aroma of Christ. So the resurrected life of Christ is not academic. It is deeply personal, and it impacts our life. It is the explanation for our life. And so it's very good for us to be reminded of that through what he is doing and has done in the lives of those that are among us. And so this Sunday is set aside for testimonies from, we only can do three, and so every Sunday, I mean, every year at this time, we ask three people who have not yet shared their testimony to do so. So if you stay in this church long enough, you'll probably be asked, just so you know that it's coming sometime. So this Sunday, and I'm not going to um, introduce each one as, um, beforehand, I'll just introduce them now. Their names are in the, in the um, bulletin, but Todd's going to go first, and then Jane Schaefer, and then Jay Bremer, and they will each come up and just briefly just share um, their faith in Christ and, and how um, they've come to know him. So let me pray, and then they will come up, beginning with Todd. Lord Jesus, we do thank you so much for the life that we have in Christ, that if he was not raised from the dead, we would truly still be dead in our sins. And we thank you, God, that he does live, and the only explanation for our lives is him and the power of his life within us, the grace that's been shed abroad, and the love of God that's been put within our hearts. We thank you, God, that our, our transformation into your image does not depend upon our power, but upon yours. It's by your doing that we are in Christ Jesus. It's by your doing that we will be brought into conformity to Christ. And it's by your doing that we grow into the likeness of Christ. So I thank you for these three and the work that you are doing and have done in their life. And we just celebrate that together, God, knowing that what you're doing in others, you're also doing in us and that all things would be to the praise and glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Todd. Hello. My sweet wife brought me a jacket, not because I was cold, but she told me that my shirt was see-through. <laughs> so, um, I want to apologize in advance if... If I've caused any of you to stumble, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, it's a joy to be sharing with you all this morning and um, sharing about his life, and this is a, really a witness of his work in our lives, and it's always uh, mutually beneficial to share about that because you know I enjoy talking about it as much as I enjoy listening to other people talk about it because it's mutually affirming and you know I need to hear it as much as they do and vice versa. But um, I guess the best place to start is at the beginning. 
Um, so I was saved probably around six or seven. I don't know the exact age at which I was saved. I just know it was around that time frame. And it was over spaghetti, um, oddly enough. Um, my mom was making spaghetti, and uh, I was really hungry. And she has, like, this amazing meat sauce that she, you know, she cooks up, and it has, like, an incredible aroma. And I was starving. And uh, it wasn't cooked, though. So she said, you know, I asked for some, and she said, no, you can't have any. And I said, well, okay. So I went outside, and I played, and I kind of waited for, like, a moment, you know. Her back was turned or something. And I ran inside and I grabbed a handful of it out of the pan. <laughs> I was like burning my hand. And then I like gobbled it up, you know, like a dog, I guess. It was just like, you know, super fast. And um, I thought about it for a while. And I was like, I don't know why she told me I couldn't have any yet. She normally gives it to me when I ask. And so I approached her later and I was like, uh, why did you say not to have any spaghetti meat? And she's like, well, the meat is raw. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean raw? What happens if you eat raw meat? And she's like, well, you get sick. And she, at this point, she was like, uh-huh, yeah. I know, I know where this is going. And, uh, and she was like, well, yeah, if you, t- if you eat raw meat, you could get sick. And I was like, well, uh, that's weird. I mean, <laughs> who would do that? Um, I, and me being six or seven, I was like, well, could you die? And she's like, it is possible. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know. And she used that moment of, of terror to uh, share with me the plan of salvation. Um, and, you know, the Lord used that, you know. And, you know, I don't, I don't really admire the, uh, the method in that, terrorizing your child so much. I mean, I had it coming. I'm the one who stole the, the meat. Um, But, um, you know, it was, uh, God used it. And she asked me where I thought I would go when I died from eating the meat sauce. (laughs) She didn't finish it, but that's like my assumption. I was like, "Uh, I don't know. Where are the places where you go? And she's like, well, there's heaven or hell. And if you believe in Jesus, you go to heaven. And if you you don't, you go to hell. And um, I was like, okay, well, I want to believe in Jesus then. I want to go to heaven. <laughs> so it was really more or less fire insurance at the time. But the Lord, it was by the Spirit of the Lord that I was saved. And he didn't, you know, the, the thing is, being a child, I, I don't really, I don't think any of us fully grasp what it is to be Christian or saved at the moment of salvation. But it is entirely a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's nothing cognitive. It's nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's not being persuaded over by arguments or anything like that. It's, it is a matter of faith and faith alone. And at that moment, I believed. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit entered in. And I was born on that day. Now, I don't remember what day specifically, like I said. But I became a new creation in Christ. And I, if I remember anything after that, it was, the day was marked with joy. And uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit is I just had the biggest smile on my face, and I was so happy I had Jesus, and that was all I needed. And um, so I, I became a Christian on that day. Now, going forward with that, um, my growth in him over the years, uh, since then, you know, I was told by the world, my flesh, the devil, that I needed something more than just Jesus, um, you know, and it was... It was by it was taught, but it was also you know the implications of how things are taught. It was very man-centered, 
uh, theology where I was at. And so there was a lot of me that still needed uh, some, some crucifying in a way where um, it was very much about my works and what I could bring to the table um, and what I could achieve in, in my relationship with the Lord. Um, I was given a new heart and I was hungry and thirsty for righteousness, but I had no idea how to satisfy that need. And, and every time I looked at my behavior, I was just appalled, you know, even the thoughts that I would think. And I remember that in Proverbs. My mom used to read to us Proverbs, and it was very convicting. <laughs> I used to listen to it, and I was like, okay, check, check. Oh, dang it, I missed that one. I missed that one, you know. And um, it was very convicting. And um, so I wanted, I knew I had salvation, but I wanted salvation for now. I wanted salvation in the moment, and I wanted to know, I knew there were Christian godly men, but I wanted to know how to live. I didn't know how to live. And I remember at the age of eight or nine, um, I felt like my parents weren't disciplining me enough. <laughs> it's just really weird. I know. It's really strange. I, you know, I, one time I, I, I thought about something or did something. I, I don't remember what it was, but I took a belt and I spanked myself <laughs> real good. And, uh, you know, because I felt like I deserved it. And I felt like the only way of bringing me around was you know, I needed a good spanking. Because, you know, that, that always works. It's just punish yourself or punish your kids and they obey perfectly after that, right? Um, so I, I did that and I, I went in and I told my parents and I was like, I spanked myself because I knew I needed it. And, and uh, my dad looked at me and he said, or I said I spanked myself for my sins. And uh, my dad looked at me and said, he's like, Christ already took the beating for that. And I was like, Huh. And I didn't really, you know, that, I didn't really grasp that either. But um, that has always stuck with me, and I always remember that words, that Christ already took that. Christ already took the beating. And so a lot of my early Christian growth was marked by guilt, uh, mostly self-inflicted. Um, you know, and, and godly guilt, I think conviction, you know, it's like pain of something foreign or unnatural to you. It's like sand in your eye or being hungry or something like that. You know, it's just completely unnatural. And that's, that's godly. And you hunger and you thirst for righteousness. But, you know, my, my guilt was all flesh. And it was mourning my loss of self-righteousness, which I lost on a regular basis. And it was really self-condemning. And it's really, you know, you might... Someone, you know, the world might mark that as, you know, self-condemnation. Well, that's, that's very humble. Well, humility isn't disagreeing with God. Humility is agreeing with God, you know. And my self-condemnation, that was a great deal of arrogance on my part to declare contrary to what the Lord has declared over me. And that was something that I also I didn't, at eight or nine, I didn't grasp. And maybe I'm judging my eight or nine-year-old self a little, a little critically here. But, you know, that was just the surface of something deeper. Um, so I was given a new heart, but I didn't know how to be obedient. But each year brought its new crisis. Um, I didn't, you know, the Lord would allow for these circumstances. These problems would arise, either self-inflicted or external. And I would be brought to my knees. And it was entirely a work of the Lord. And that he allows, and, um, he allows for outward forces to be instrumental in our growth in him. And it was all pushing me towards a need to see Christ as my sufficiency, as my very life. 
and just him and him alone as my sufficiency in very life. Um, so recently I had a little, little boy there. You'll, you'll probably know that, but um, uh, it was an amazing experience. I, I thought I would totally faint uh, being in the uh, labor and delivery room and, and seeing the baby and all the blood everywhere and everything. I thought I would faint. And I was surprised I didn't actually faint. I thought it was quite remarkable. It was pretty cool. I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's like aliens or something. You're watching, you're watching the baby and everything, and you're just like, what? And like, as it's, like, when he comes out, like all of his bones like, pop into place and everything, you're just like, what is this? You, know? you don't even recognize it at first. Like, but as he comes out, you're like, oh, wow, it's a baby. You know? <laughs> Who would have thought? But it was an incredible, <laughs> this isn't TMI, I hope, it's, it's not. <laughs> um, is it? No? I don't know, okay. <laughs> All right, so, no, it was an incredible experience. And there's something incredibly analogous in that, that physical experience. Um, it is physical, it's a physical analogy of a spiritual activity that, you know, I didn't come into realizing how much the Lord had me, you know. And I always knew it, like, academically, but I never really, you know, realized it until uh, I kind of walked through it in that situation. But that was the coolest thing in the world, seeing that, that baby come out, and he was mine. And it had nothing, my love for him had nothing to do with my past relationship with that baby because I had no relationship with the baby prior but I knew I loved that baby with every fiber of my being once the baby was born. And the same is true of us, is that his love and his desire for us isn't in relation to our activity or what we bring to the table, but it is entirely in relation to our relationship with him. And I know I use the word relation a lot. But it's entirely due to how we are orientated with him in Christ as our new identity, as a child of God. And so, you know, really... There's really no deep Christian understanding, not saying that I haven't arrived, but really it's just it's going back to the basics and hanging around there that Christianity is just being his child and recognizing who you are and your identity in Christ and knowing that he can meet every need. And, you know, I didn't have any seminars or, or, or training in anything, but that moment I was saved, I had joy and I was already experiencing a fruit of the Spirit. And... Then the day of the, the NICU came where we had to take him back into the nursing, uh, nursing room, the uh, emergency room. And, you know, that wasn't, um, I know a lot of people, have, a lot more people have had it a lot rougher than I have. Uh, we were incredibly blessed by the prayers. Um, and, you know, it was an answer to prayer that everything came back negative. And he was fine and we got to take him home. But, you know, just in seeing that, in, in, in watching him on the table and, you know, all the, you know, the needles and things. And um, that was a really hard experience for me. Um, it was very difficult. In fact, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even watch. I couldn't even look him in the eye, and I felt queasy. And so, you know, beforehand, where I was watching the whole birthing process, I was like, whoa, cool, awesome. And at this point, I, I can't even stand up. Like, it just knocks the wind out of me. And I had to look away, you know? And I wonder if, you know, in some small way, I experienced, you know, when Christ was on the cross, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Lord turned his face away, or at least that's what is implied there. 
I wonder if, you know, that in that some small way, I, I kind of just maybe gla- glimpsed a teeny bit of it. Um, I had to look away. And, um, but I didn't realize just how much there was in having a child. And just in my perspective as a father, knowing that he shares in much greater detail and a much greater strength that perspective towards me and my relation as his son. And so I'm a child of God, and I'm learning and I'm growing, and I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still growing, and I'll, I'll probably do that until I'm pushing up daisies. So um, I'm out of time, but I love all of you very much, and thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share my testimony. Um, My name is Jane Schaefer, and I was born in 1957 and raised in Tacoma, Washington. I have one older brother and loving parents. Looking back, it seems to me that my mom and dad always wanted what was best for my brother and I. We had a good childhood, and probably what I remember the most about being in Tacoma with my folks is, is that they loved each other and they loved my brother and I. They worked hard to provide for us and, and we had a lot of fun as a family. We did a lot of things together. I was raised in the Catholic Church. If I were to describe my life then, it would have been devout and hopeless. I loved the reverence of the church. I loved the quiet. I loved being able to go to church and see the light that was burning that signified that God was there. But something happened within the church in 1965, and it was called Vatican II. For some reason, it deeply affected my parents and at that time my mom and dad quit going to church on a regular basis. I was eight years old. We never spoke about it. They never told me why. But every Sunday they would get up and take me to church and drop me off and an hour later they would pick me up. And they did that until I got my driver's license. So there I was, very devout, checking all the boxes within the church membership, yet I had a blank spot within me called hopelessness. I was unsure of how I would ever achieve the standard and make it to heaven. In 1975, I met Tom Schaefer. He was a Baptist. (laughs) Oh boy, my parents thought he was going to lead me down a road straight into a cult. (laughs) Yet they liked Tom, and I loved Tom. During the very short year that we dated, we spoke a lot about the Catholics and the Baptists. Tom felt worthy of God's love because of Jesus. I felt unworthy of God's love because of Jesus. I had spent so much time at the foot of the cross 
feeling that my sins had put Christ on the cross, I could not get beyond that point. Tom told me that he could worship God in any building. I told him that I could only pray in the church where the light was burning. So our love took us to the altar and we were married in 1976, June of 1976. That same week, Tom was commissioned into the United States Air Force and our life together began. At our first military base, we attended the base chapel. Basically, it's a multi-purpose building that held Catholic services as well as Protestant services. We went to the Catholic service. God opened my eyes that first Sunday. I felt dead inside. But as we were leaving the church, I heard the Protestants singing. The music was beautiful, and it sounded hopeful. So the following week, Tom and I went to the Protestant service, and I could feel hope in that service. I don't think I knew it at the time, but my heart was being softened by the power of the Holy Spirit. The next week, we went back to the Protestant side of the chapel, and soon after, Tom gave me a Bible, and the first time ever I was reading God's Word, I was no longer limited with access to my Heavenly Father. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at any time, I could read God's Word. That was an amazing gift. I was reading verses like, no condemnation for those who love Christ Jesus. It is by grace that you are saved. It is faith. It is a free gift. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Powerful verses that spoke to my heart. I began to understand that Christ was not something to be achieved. Christ was someone who loved me and desired a relationship with me. The word relationship is powerful. I learned that God knew me, loved me, accepted me, not because of what I had done or was trying to accomplish, but because of what Christ had done on the cross. I had come full circle. It was all about the cross. But I had never understood how to move from death to life. And it wasn't until God gave me the faith to believe in the hope of a risen Savior. I remember that first feeling of hope. I remember feeling washed, feeling forgiven without the guilt. It seems so simple to me now. If I were to describe my life today, it would be a, that I am a person full of hope. I have hope for today, and I have hope for the future. I learned 2 Peter 3.18 telling me to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. For me, that was confirming that it was all about relationship. Reading God's word with him speaking to me through his word. That was something wonderful that I had never experienced before. That is what Tom's in my life has been since that point, growing together in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Has life always been easy? No. Has life always been perfect? No. But what we had 
and do have as a couple and, in, and as individuals personally is the hope of our Savior, knowing that it was him who could accomplish anything in our married life as a couple. That hope brought us into and through Tom's 27-year career with the military. We lived in 13 different households in 12 different states in those 27 years. During our military life together, America went to war. Tom was injured while on deployment to Saudi Arabia by a terrorist bombing, and we had several separations due to military duties. But through it all, God was our one constant he was leading and guiding us. He was giving us hope in daily life. I have hope that Christ isn't finished with me and my understanding of him. Reading God's word is such a blessing. I love that I have a Bible and, and that it's God's word to me. I love that I can go to it at any time. And as I read the Bible, I have hope that salvation is not and has never been about me. It's always been about Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Since Tom's retirement, God has blessed us with our time here in Bernie. It was 13 years ago that he led us here. At that time, my mom and dad moved from Washington State and came to live with us. And they are now 91 years old. Having them with us is a reminder of grace. The grace that God has given and the grace that we must give out to others. It is an ongoing process. Our growth continues as Tom and I hope in Christ alone. Now I am sure heaven will be my final destination. I claim the promise that God is preparing a place just for me. The most exciting thing is that I will be in the presence of the one who called me to have a relationship with him. I am most thankful at this time of year that I no longer sit and cry at the foot of the cross. I stand in victory with Christ as he is raised from death into new life. I praise him for this Easter service season, and I, I stand victorious with him and the hope that we have because of what he has done. Thank you. Well, good morning, and uh, I'm Jay Bramer, and thank you for allowing me to talk about this journey of life that I'm on and all the providences that uh, God has, that I've experienced in life. Um, and I'm married to Cindy, um, my mother-in-law, Emily Frymiller here. I have five children here. I have nine total and three grandchildren with one on the way should arrive next week. So, but <clears throat> back when I was um, nine years old, 
my family was living in Oklahoma, and we had moved to a new location from Oklahoma City to an area kind of north of Oklahoma City. And we were going to attend a new church there. And so as a family, we joined the church. And um, I remember we were all sitting there filling out information about ourselves. And um, my dad leaned over and said, hey, Jay, you think uh, you ought to become a Christian so you can join the church here? And in a dutiful sense, uh, and wanting to be obedient to my father, whom I respected much, yes, sir. So I did that and um, joined, or, you know, made a statement of faith, they, they called it, and um, got baptized that night. They didn't mess around. <laughs> but as I lived the next few years, I realized eventually, you know, I, I'm really not living a changed life. I'm just the same old kid getting into trouble and not really feeling too bad about it. And uh, one day, and through that time, my parents divorced. And uh, we moved to, with my mom, to Tyler, Texas. And when I was 15, there was an evangelist that came to town and presented the gospel. And, um, and I just realized I, I need a Savior. And I can't do this thing on my own. I'm not living a changed life. And I trusted Christ for my salvation at that point. And I said, I'm going to remember this. And, um, and I, I did live, you know, experience a change. I had a hunger for God's word and began to read my Bible. Um, but it was not until, I, in God's providence, um, later in my college years, I met some friends that were committed believers, and through a set of circumstances, God providence, we, many of these, this group of guys went on a mission trip with the church I was uh, attending, <clears throat> and um, had a meaningful experience there, and had a speaker who challenged us um, to walk faithfully and gave us some uh, principles um, discipling us in that short time he had with us. And this group of guys, we connected. And um, it's kind of funny, three of my really close friends were Dr. Billy, Dr. Hooker, and Dr. Bailey. And there was no PhD in the group. We were just college kids and I won't get too distracted, but if you've ever seen a scene in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where they stole the boat, the yacht, you know, the group of guys out of an insane asylum. And security came and said, uh, you know, this is Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so. Anyway, 
That, that was us. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, th- this group of friends really encouraged me. We encouraged each other. And uh, we would do activities together. Um, and one of the things we did that was meaningful is um, back in the day when you wrote a letter and you put a stamp on an envelope and you stuffed the letter inside the envelope, and we, we would do that and we would write prayer requests. <clears throat> and it was uh, this chain letter that would circulate in our group. There, there were about six of us. And we would write down a prayer request and maybe... Um, how God had answered a prayer, and then we would mail it to the next guy, and it would go in a circle and come back around. We were at different college campuses, and then um, we'd get the letter back and write off how God had answered a prayer. And that, that was, those kind of activities were very encouraging to me. <clears throat> um, and I ended up at Texas Tech. Um, played a little football in college, kind of got distracted with that, and decided, hey, I needed to get a degree here, and ended up with an engineering degree and worked, went to work down in Corpus Christi, Texas, for peanut oil and chemical. And the reason I was on that path, um, my dad, <coughs> uh, he was an independent oil and gas producer in Oklahoma City, or Oklahoma, and uh, he wanted me to get some experience with one of the majors and then eventually come in to work for him and, um, you know, be in the oil and gas business. <clears throat> and so that was the path I was on. And during that time I was there in Corpus, I, uh, one morning jogging along Bronner Parkway, I saw this little sign for a church, Bayshore Bible Church, and um, I thought, well, I'm going to check that out. It was close to my where I lived, and I remember going to that. And, um, next Sunday, and the um, there was a lady there that worked with the singles ministry, and I remember grabbing me by the elbow and saying, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. And she runs me inside, and there's this cute gal that really made an impression on me. It was Cindy Frymiller, and she doesn't even remember that moment. But I was, wow, this, I'm going to get to know this girl. So I kept going to church there. <laughs> And later we found out, or kept hearing about these McCall boys that had been there. And I guess the McCalls had been in that same church when they lived, before they moved to Burning. But we ended up getting married, and um, from, let's see, that was Corpus Christi. And through a set of circumstances, I ended up, uh, going in a different direction, and at the same time in my dad's life, he got hit with in his old business with a frivolous lawsuit, um, and 
kind of a long story short, he lost and it kind of wiped him out and he went on a different path. Um, and just real quick, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, we have some serious problems with tort law in America, but um, God used that in his life to lead him back to himself. It took many years, but um, my dad now is doing well in the Lord, 90 years old and doing well in the Lord. And by his own testimony, he was definitely had drifted off. My dad has been a great encouragement to me uh, in my life. He's very, very important. But um, we moved to different locations. Um, lived in California for a short while. Um, where was that? Houston, Oklahoma, Kansas City, and then Bernie, and here we are. A lot, of, a lot of years there. <clears throat> but um, one of the things that, you know, what does God do in my life now? One of the things that I've learned that the Christian life is like a decathlon. I always admired decathletes, those athletes that could perform well at 10 events. Um, and as a believer, as me, an individual, you know, I have to, uh, I'm, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a brother, I'm a neighbor, I'm a citizen, I'm a church member, well, soon to be. <laughs> but I have a relationship with um, a body of believers and all of those areas of life, you know, the relational, and I can't let any one of them drift. I need to be uh, engaged um, and not slack, not cavalier in any of those relationships that I'm in. Um, A life first for me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And I have, and I know probably a lot of you, that's maybe your life verse, let's share. Um, I think that speaks of the Christian life um, so well because you know my faith is trusting in the Lord but I sure don't understand everything there's a lot I don't understand um, but there's a lot I know that I need to obey but I think importantly or maybe most importantly is just acknowledging him in all the situations in life you know there's always opportunity by my speech, by word and deed, um, by even appearance, identifying with Christ. And um, that's very important. He sustains me. There's so many providences in my life. 
where I just don't know how the next step in life is going to happen, you know, with, with work or with um, relationships. And God has been so faithful to sustain me and my family. And I think in conclusion, uh, well, a couple things. It's not about me. It's easy for me to get prideful about maybe some accomplishment or something. You know, there's many things in life. It really has very little to do with me, but it's all about Jesus. Um, he makes all this possible. Any, anything that I'm able to do is because of him. And I really feel to whom much is given, much is required. And um, there's a sense of duty um, because I love him, not because I'm trying to earn salvation. Anyway, I want to thank you all for letting me share a little bit. And uh, thank you, Charles. y'all would stand and turn in your hymnals to him 43. Oh, yeah, sorry, I have to wait for me. Wait for Alex, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>